0: We're going to be in First Corinthians chapter fourteen. We are back in action after our Thanksgiving service last week. Hope you guys all enjoyed your time with your family and your friends, and um, and just enjoy the the gifts that God has given you during this time of the year. You know, it's a time to give thanks, and even if it's just for the gift that God has given us through His Son, I mean, that should be enough for us. So, it's just a great time of, time of year. I'm thankful for this weather right now. We need this rain. Although I feel like everybody's a little bit tired, maybe too much turkey, the weather's not helping, but we're going to do this. We're going to get through this today. It's going to be great. The Lord is going to move, so let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what we've been learning so far, Lord, about the gifts that you have bestowed upon us and the love that you have for us, Lord. And I pray that you speak to us mightily through your word today, Lord, that you would just impress a powerful message on our hearts of conviction, of encouragement, of just your love for us, Lord, and that we can apply it to our lives, that we can use it to strengthen each other and to be strengthened ourselves. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So originally I had wanted to try to finish chapter 14 all in one sitting today because this is my last chapter. And I was pretty excited to let Pastor Johnny get back up here so I could get Get fed a little bit, um, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. You're going to see me for two more weeks because the Lord has a different plan and it's all about His will. But today, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 19 in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So let's go ahead and read. 1 Corinthians 14. The Bible says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. But to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the others is not edified. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you, yet in church I would rather speak five words with my understanding, that I may teach others also, than 10,000 words in a tongue. All right, guys. So we are back in the corrective letter that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, okay? So just give you a little reminder, what's happening is Paul is addressing this church of Corinth that is a very spiritually gifted church, right? They have been given spiritual gifts just as we have been given spiritual gifts. You know, I've heard the last few weeks as I study this gift of tongues and these chapters that some people don't think that gifts are for today, and I would say that's not true because our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's unchanging, so, I absolutely believe gifts are for today. So, we are gifted just as this church in Corinth is gifted. And the gifts were given to edify and strengthen the church of God, to strengthen the body of Christ. So, although this church in Corinth was amazingly gifted, they're also amazingly ignorant with their gifts. And they're exercising them out of order, abusing them, and using them for things they weren't intended for. They thought that if you were more gifted, that that meant you were more spiritual than someone else. And of course, that's not true. So early in my Christian walk, I've been a Christian for about five years now, and my whole life up until then, I had the same mindset that if someone was more spiritually gifted than me, then surely they were more spiritual. Surely they were closer to God. I thought that they had that connection with the Lord that I could never have, that they were more holy than I was, because that's just the perception that that comes with, with seeing that kind of, of preaching and teaching. That's just a natural reaction that we'll have towards that. I wish I was as holy as that person, or man, I'll never be in that tune with God. I wish I was on that level. wish I could just hear what God's saying like that person does. But it has no revelation, no... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Has, it's not relative to the spiritual gifts. So I figured this out the first day of being at this church, right? So my brother-in-law, Aaron told me, because I had been searching for a church, said, hey, go try this church down in Garden Grove. Because my teacher, who was my teacher in high school, Pastor Johnny Trevino, teaches there. I said, cool, let's go try it out. Because I had been searching for a church, I was a young Christian, and, and all I wanted was, I just wanted to be fed. I just wanted the truth. And I had been to different churches around, in Long Beach, and different areas that I was lied to or led astray. And it just wasn't really clicking for me. I knew that there was something missing so the first day I came to Calvary Chapel Living Water, we're over at the Senior Center. And I walk in, and already it was different than any church I've ever been to. Right? I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Senior Center, but you walk into literally like the cafeteria of the Senior Center, and they have like little fold-up chairs, and we had about 30, 40 people max. And I'm like, this is cool. Like, it don't matter to me. Let's do this. You know, I've been to big churches, like Cottonwood wasn't my thing, and I've been to little churches and all different Catholic churches. I've been to all kinds of churches, but so why not? Let's give it a shot. So I sat down, and for the first time in my life, the word of God started to make sense. It's as if God was speaking through Pastor Johnny directly to me, and it just clicked. And the most impactful thing that I had never realized was, as Pastor Johnny was beginning to share his testimony about where God had brought him from, I saw in his eyes tears start to form as he shared with what God has done. And I, saw, I heard hurt in his voice, and I heard pain and despair. And I had never known in my life up until that point that pastors could hurt like I hurt, that pastors could have pain like I have pain, that pastors could struggle like I struggle, because I had this perception, much like the Church of Corinth, that, man, they were so holy, they have it all figured out. But that was far from the truth. And that was something that I had never seen in any church up until that point. I had never seen the transparency and the truth that Romans 3.23 says that, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That whether it be a pastor or a teacher or anybody or a pope or a president, no one is holier than me. We are all the same at the foot of the cross. And yes, some people are teachers. Yes, some people have gifts of prophecy. And yes, some people can heal. But that's not because they're holier than me. That's because that is the gift that God has given them. That's it. That's the only reason. It has nothing to do with me that I'm able to come up here and teach the word of God and everything to do with what he's given me. So I'm not better than anybody because I can, I'm up here. It just means this is what God's called me to do. Just as you all have a calling on your life that you need to figure out and be in tune with God of what he wants you to do for the body of Christ. So the church of Corinth had the same mindset except they were raising up the gifts of tongues. So instead of teaching or healings or whatever gift it may be, they were lifting up the gift of tongues as the sole evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you were so spiritual if you could speak in tongues. Like, oh my gosh, everybody hold the phone, wait, this guy's speaking in tongues. Stop everything, it's about to get real. God is speaking through this man, so we need to just respect what's going on here. So as we see here in um, this section of chapter 14, Paul starts to address this. In verse 1 he says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church i wish you all spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesized for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless Indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification, right? So Paul is telling us that we should all, as Christians, as children of God, as the body of Christ, should be desiring spiritual gifts. We should want to get spiritual gifts from God. Not to build ourselves up, but to build each other up, to strengthen the body of Christ, right? We just learned in the last few chapters that's what the spiritual gifts are for, is to complement each other, to lift up each other, to edify, to strengthen each other to glorify God in that. So we should have a desire to serve God in any way we can out of the gratitude for what he's done for us in our lives and the sacrifice his son made for us. Now these last few weeks, I don't know if I mentioned a few weeks ago, but I had been given the gift of tongues, which is pretty cool. I never really heard it before, never really experienced it before. Um, But Paul told us to desire these gifts, and I was reading it, and I prayed, Lord, Lord, teach me about tongues and I started speaking in tongues and it's pretty cool. I can't interpret so I don't know what the heck I'm saying but I can feel something cool happening in my spirit like it feels as though my spirit is being strengthened which is a good thing. But Paul tells us here the gift is for self-edification. He says in verse 4 but he who speaks in tongue edifies himself. So that is the sole purpose of the gift of tongues is to edify your own self, to edify your spirit. It's not a bad thing At all. It's a private prayer language that God gives you to commune with Him, to speak to Him with your spirit. I don't know if you guys have ever had an experience where you're just so grateful for God and you're just so thankful and you're just like, I don't know how to express it into words. I just can't get it out. That's what tongues is. You're bypassing the narrow channel of your own intellect that you can comprehend, and your spirit is speaking directly to God. And it strengthens your spirit. And it's an amazing gift. So it's a good thing to desire and to have, but not if it's used in the wrong way, as this church in Corinth was doing. So Paul tells us here in verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul is now beginning to remind and correct the church here in Corinth about what the church is about. right? So the church isn't about one person being lifted up. It's about the entire body being lifted up, about the entire body being strengthened. So he says, he wishes we all spoke in tongues, but it's better if we prophesy because it's going to benefit us all in the, in the church when we're together more than tongues because everybody will be able to benefit from that as opposed to just me speaking in tongues. Because it edifies the entire body of Christ. In verses 6 through 12, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, or by prophecy, or by teaching? So again, he elaborates. These are the things that are going to help us in church when we are gathered together is revelation, knowledge, prophecy, and teaching. That's what's going to benefit us as a group, as a whole, not tongues because, it's a, again, it's a private prayer language. Even things without life. Whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? So we use the example of flute and the harp. So these were very iconic instruments of worship during this time. The flute and the harp were often used. Right? So if we had a worship band up here, the flute and a harp, and they were just playing with no rhyme or reason, just playing notes randomly, it would just be, it would be a ruckus, it would just be noise. There's no, there's no sync to it. There's no order to it. It'd just be sound. It'd just be annoying almost. Right? As opposed to structure and order and coming together as a worship team and putting the songs together and practicing and, and doing things the way God had intended. For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare, prepare for battle? So the trumpet or the bugle was used during these times For war. So there was a specific sound that you would use the trumpet to make to tell the army to charge into battle. Whatever it is, I don't know, something like that, right? That was it. it. See, I got it right. There was also a specific sound the trumpet would make for retreat. So that's how they would command the armies because a man wasn't loud enough to sound to the whole army, right? So the same thing in church. How are we supposed to know what God is trying to speak to the body of Christ in which direction we should move and how to be strengthened and how to use our gifts and how to be edified if we can't understand what the person is saying? If we can make no distinction between what word of knowledge or what's going on. It doesn't benefit us. If they just blew a sound on a trumpet during war, the, the army wouldn't know what to do. They'd be in trouble. There's no order in that. So unless, so, likewise you, unless you utter by, tongue, by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are and may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of a language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. So Pastor Joel Brown is here from the Ukraine and he speaks Russian. And I've heard him speak Russian and I don't understand Russian. So if he came up here and gave us a service in Russian, it could be the most powerful, influential, authoritative sermon in the world. But if it's in Russian, it's not going to benefit us because we don't understand it unless we have an interpreter. Right? So... The idea here is it's not about one single person and their gift being lifted up. It's about the entire body, right? So if there is tongues, it has to be interpreted. We see that in verse 12. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So as Paul tells us, we have a desire in our hearts to edify the body of Christ. We should be desiring first, that those around us should be built up and that we should have the growth of our brothers and sisters here and in the world in our lives as a top priority. As Mark 9.35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be, be of last and a servant of all. Right? So we should have a desire when we come to church to serve those people that are with us, to serve the body of Christ. We should be coming to church thinking, man, how can I strengthen my brothers and sisters at church today? What do I have to offer that will build them up, that will edify them, that will encourage them? Not so much, man, I can't wait to see what I can get from this person or from that person today at church, and man, I really need this. I can't wait to take this nugget from them. It shouldn't be a selfish thing while we're coming to church. It should be, man, how can I help my brothers and sisters? How can we grow together? What do I have to offer the body of Christ to help it move forward in what we are doing? Verse 13 to 19. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So we see order starting to form here. So I've heard many stories of churches that either misinterpret tongues or use it out of order. And that's not what Paul is talking about here. In a public setting, there should always be an interpreter involved when someone is speaking in tongues. When you're in a private prayer group and someone speaks in tongues, there should always be interpretation of the the tongues for the edification of the group. If not, it should stop. If there is no interpretation... It's just noise. It's speaking into the air. And what is apparently happening, and is happening now, is there is a misinterpretation, as we see in verses 16 and 17. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? You indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So there's a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation about tongues as well when it's used out of order in the church setting. So someone will be speaking in tongues, Maybe they'll interrupt the service and someone with interpretation will misinterpret and say something like this. My children, blessings I bestow upon. No, it is never God speaking to man. It is always man speaking to God as we see here, giving thanks. It's always a thankfulness from the spirit. It's a praising of God from the spirit. It is never God speaking to man. It is always man speaking to God. And that's something that is also abused is the misinterpretation. God doesn't speak through you directly to his people, right? Because it's not about you again. It's for self-edification. It's not meant to edify the entire church. But we see the emphasis, Paul, and this seriousness of what the church is about. When he says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding than may teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues. So he's thankful for tongues. He's thankful that God has given him this gift to be able to commune with him, spirit to him, right? In that privateness of your prayer life. That's a good thing. You should desire that. In a way the flesh cannot understand, so the spirit can be strengthened. But in the context of church we see here, he says, yet in church, I would rather speak five words in my understanding than 10,000 in tongues. He realizes God's heart which is to strengthen the church, not to edify oneself. He recognizes the heart of God, the love of God, the attitude of God towards his church. He recognizes that within the context of church, it's not about Paul. It's not about Joshua. It's not about Johnny. It's not about Brian. It's not about one single person. It's about the entire congregation, the entire body of Christ worldwide. Because Christ didn't just die for Joshua. He died for every single person from start to finish so they would have a chance to receive salvation through his name. That's why he died. So to think as we come to church that it's all about us, is it's off. It's the wrong direction. And that's my big takeaway from this section. You know, our church isn't really big on, on tongues. I mean, I've been coming here for close to five years and I've only heard it done Once. And that was about a month ago. And maybe that's right. You know, it's not, a, it's not a corporate thing unless there's interpretation. So that's probably good. I don't know if many of you have the gift of tongues. But if you do, that's great. But I don't see it exercised in church. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's sound doctrine. That we are a church that teaches the doctrine of how to exercise the gifts in a proper way. And how to execute it. So I was praying about this. And I'm like, Lord, I've never really heard tongues. I've never really... Spoke tongues until two weeks ago, like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this message? Like, what is this about? How am I supposed to apply this to your church? I mean, I don't see it. I don't know if people have it. I just got it. I don't even understand what I'm saying. Like, what the heck, Lord? Can Johnny just teach this message? I don't really want to do it. I'm not qualified to do this, right? And he's like, that's right, Joshua. You're not qualified to teach this message. But again, it's not about me. It's about him. And he is qualified to teach this message through me. So what I do see is the attitude of the heart behind the speaking of tongues. So you think about that. What is the motive of someone who gets up in the middle of church, interrupts the pastor, starts speaking in tongues? What is the motive there? It is all eyes on me. It is look how holy I am. It's look what I can do. It's look at the gift God has given me. So it's much deeper than just tongues. It's the attitude of the heart that I'm only here to benefit myself. And how do I know this? How do I know that there's people out there that come to church only looking to benefit themselves? Because I do it. I do it week after week. I do it all the time. I'll walk in here thinking only of myself. I'll be looking for opportunities for how can you guys serve Joshua? How can Pastor Johnny serve me? How can Brian serve me? How can Pete serve me? How can else, or how can anybody of you serve me? How can God serve me at church? I'm going to church to be served because that's who I am. Because look what I do for God. And that's not the right mindset we should be coming to church with. And that's the attitude behind the tongues. It's a selfish mindset. It's as if we were a sponge at times. And My message was called, Don't be a sponge. <laughs> there it is. So we come to church with a spongy mindset. We come to church looking to suck whatever spirituality we can from each person to soak it up. Soak it up from you. I'm going to soak it up from you. I'm going to soak it up from you. I'm going to soak it up from you. Which isn't a bad thing. We should be soaking up stuff. We should have a desire to be fed at church, to be filled. But we shouldn't just hold it. We need to be wrung out at church as well. We should soak it up and we should come to our brothers and sisters and we should... Ring the sponge out and share and strengthen and bless other people with what God has done for us because that's what he wants in his church. But But yet we come not looking to give anyone anything. And I mean, that's just the culture we live in. We live in a capitalist society, right? That's just what we do. That's how we're brought up. That's how we're raised. It's all about how can you get ahead in life? How can you get ahead of this person? How can you be better than that person? How can these people work for you? How can they serve you? It's all... Backwards. Because that's not the way God works. God came here not to be served, but to serve. And we should have that example. We should come to church with the mindset of how can I serve my brothers and sisters today? Of course, you need to have a balance, you need to get fed, you need to desire those things, but you also need to pour out into other people, or else it's just wasted. And we just learned over the last two chapters how God has given us all spiritual gifts. And he, wants them to, he wants us to use them in the church, in the worldly body of Christ to benefit each other. You know, So I ask you guys and I challenge you and I challenge myself. like, Are we being a spiritual sponge? Are we coming to church, going from person to person, having maybe a pity party, seeing what can I get from them? What can I get from them? What can I get from them? What can I get from this person? And we just keep it because that's how we think. Or are we looking to take from each other and then give back. Is that our mindset? So I challenge you guys, are you using the gift set that God has given you to pour the love of God on those around us that need it? Because I know we all need it. Because I expressed in the beginning, we all have hurt, we all have pain, we all suffer. We all fall short of the glory of God. Deuteronomy 15, 11 says there will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. So there are people in our congregation right now, people in your life, people around the world that God wants to use you to minister to. That he wants to use this very message, the things you're learning right now, to benefit someone else. So he doesn't want you just to be a spiritual sponge and soak it up. He wants you to give it to someone else. There will always be Christians who struggle there will always be Christians that need to be strengthened and that's the job of the body of Christ that's why we're here that's why we're together just like we learned about the foot and the hand the foot is not inferior to the hand it has its own job just like us guys we have our own jobs that God has us to do here but are we doing it? are we foot coming here to help support the body of Christ or are we foot coming into church looking to get our nails done we're we looking to get served while we're here Are we looking to go to work and support each other? Are we looking to use those gifts that he's given us? So why are we coming to church with a withholding heart, holding back from people? Why are we going to work with a withholding heart? Why do we go to Thanksgiving dinner and family gatherings and say, oh, I'm not going to minister to this person. They don't deserve it. They wronged me. Why are we going to hold back from those people closest to us in our lives? Why do we withhold what God has blessed us with from the world because we're selfish. The Bible says our heart is wicked and deceitful because our flesh is corrupt. That's why because that is our nature. We withhold because we're sinners. But God does not withhold. <clears throat> Psalm 84:11 says for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. So God doesn't withhold from you. God is always available for you. In your sin, out of your sin. God is always there ready and available to give you what you need. And that's the example we need to set. That's the attitude we need to have when we come to church on Sundays or when we go to Thanksgiving dinner or when we go to work. We shouldn't be withholding things because we're judging people for how they've wronged us and they don't deserve it. Because guess what? None of us deserve what God has given us. None of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve anything but hell. We don't deserve heaven. We don't. We're sinners. We've fallen short, all of us. And he withholds nothing from us. He gives it freely to those who ask. So we have to remember this is a corrective letter that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He's correcting them because their attitude is out of line as he should be correcting us now because it's the same God speaking through the word because the word is alive. So you might be putting some of you on blast right now. He might be checking you in your seat right now. Man, maybe I do come to church looking just to get fed. Which is not a bad thing again. It's good to come to church to get fed. Someone in first service said, yeah, That's what gets me here is, man, I need to get spiritually fed. That's good. It should get you here. You should have a desire for the things of God. But when you're here, you should also have a desire to feed the people who also have a desire. Because I alone can't do the work that needs to be done in the church. Johnny can't do all the work that needs to be done in the church. It takes the entire body of Christ to accomplish God's will. We shouldn't be selfish like our heart. We shouldn't be wicked like our heart. We should be the new being in Christ that God has made us. We should have the attributes of love that we just learned about. We should be loving. We should be patient. We should be kind with each other. We should not envy. We should not boast. We should not seek our own. Right? These are the things that God wants us to bestow upon each other. But yet we walked into church and around every day with one thing on our mind, numero uno, ourself. And we'll use our gifts We'll misuse our gifts. We'll abuse our gifts for our own selfish gain. Whether it's tongues, worship, teaching, anything. We need to remember that heart of God, the power of God, the truth that God has given us through his word. That he gave up everything on the cross for us. He had everything. He was perfect, spotless, blameless. The perfect lamb of God. And he gave it all up for us so that we Could just know him. So we should be willing to do the same for him. We should be willing to do the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be willing to give it all up because that is the true sign of love. And that's what God displayed for us on the cross. And I just feel thankful that, you know, I get this opportunity to to strengthen my gift set that God has given me in teaching and, and prophecy. But, you know, I also ask you guys as we have the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks. You know, we can come up here, we can talk about your spiritual gifts all we want and we can say you guys need to start serving each other and you start strengthening each other and take a gift test and read this and that. But none of it matters unless you act upon it. We should walk by faith, not by sight, right? If we want to be blessed and we want to see what God has for us and experience the things he has for us, we have to be obedient to his word first. You know, you think about who's the last person you prayed for at church. Think about it. Who's the last person you don't know that you prayed for at church? Who don't you know at church? We should know everybody here. I'm getting there. I see some new faces. I see some new faces come in and out. But, you know, I can do a better job. But We should know everybody. You know, even myself. I'll get texts all the time from my brothers and sisters here and, Oh, pray for me for this or pray for my family for this, and I'll forget because I'm selfish. You know, this really hit me this week. Actually, yesterday, I had just finished the study, and I'm sitting at home and I'm praying. I had anxiety, and I, my chest was heavy, and I just felt like, Lord, where's my joy? Like, I haven't had joy. I haven't been joyful in like two months, Lord. I've been teaching. Look at this stuff I've been doing for you. I've been up there teaching crucify my flesh, Lord, and I don't feel happy. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel peace. And I'm just like, whoa, pity party. Me, me, me. Lord, help me. Lord, heal me. Lord, you know, me, me, me. And I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm going to teach tomorrow. I'm only thinking about myself. I'm only looking at how God can benefit me, not how I can benefit God's people, right? So I began to think about it, and God just put me on blast. He's like, what she does, sometimes it takes me like two days after I teach a message and I'm like, oh, dang, Lord, that was for me. Ooh, I didn't even see that. Of course it applies to me. right? So I began to pray and think about all the people that I've neglected and praying for my family in Michigan and my brother and my sisters and my family here and my brothers and sisters here and people here at church that I know need prayer and people at work that I know need prayer and things I never do because I'm selfish because I spend most of my time when I do pray Praying for myself and what I need from God. And I've been doing that for the last two months, and I couldn't realize why it wasn't working, why I wasn't getting the peace and the joy that God had promised me. It's because I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but my heart wasn't right. My heart was being selfish, my heart was in the wrong place. So as I begin to pray for those people, and as you start to lift up those people, and you start to obey what God actually tells you to do in the Word, you start to feel calm. I start to feel peace and it feels good to pray for people because you know what? When you're so focused on other people and their problems and what they need from God and how you can help them, you're like, what was it matter with me again? I don't even remember. What was I stressed about again? Because you're so focused on helping your brothers and sisters and strengthening your brothers and sisters that you don't have time to worry about yourself. And I think that's the way God had it because we shouldn't be worrying about ourselves because God's got us. But we should have a heart for people and for each other we should come to church go to work wake up every morning with the the heart of God which is to serve his people and to see them strengthened amen, amen. all right let's pray dear father again we thank you for this time lord um, we thank you for your word we thank you for just the correction <clears throat> just the edification just the encouragement that maybe we're not doing these things or maybe we are lord and I pray that they would just show us our, our shortcomings or show us our strengths, Lord. But ultimately, Lord, I thank you that you are just so patient with us and sometimes we pray and we just don't wonder why, why we just don't get this, Lord. Why can't we just get this right? Why can't we just do what you've called us to do? And it's because of the simple fact that we can't, Lord. In and of ourselves, we can't do what you've called us to do. In and of ourselves, Lord, we can do Nothing but it's only through your name, Lord, that we can do all things. So I pray that we would just rely on you, Lord, that we would put these burdens upon you, that we would just seek you every day and allow you to do the work in our lives and allow you to minister through us and allow you, Jesus, to develop and strengthen our gifts and sit back and enjoy the blessings that you have for us in this life of joy and peace and, and just love. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.